Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net and also you can see videos on YouTube and Facebook. And if you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. It's really amazing thing to recognize uh, the truth that God created people in his image and they rejected him. He could have easily said, all right, you go do your thing, I'll go do my thing. He could have said, why waste my time? And yet love came for us. God came for us through Christ on a cross so that we would have life. And it's an amazing thing to think about. It's beyond really what I believe we can comprehend or understand totally, but it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing for us to sing about, to think about, to focus our hearts and our minds on. Because this is a true story. This isn't a story that was created by um, people that were trying to do something devious. This wasn't a, a created story by those that wanted to manipulate or control. This wasn't a story that was created um, to make people feel good, good, better about life or good about things when things aren't always good. This is a true story. These are true people. These are real people. They lived. And you know, it's, it's a sad thing when I think about how many people will set up their tree this week and put a star on and not know what the star means. How many people will give gifts to each other and not know why they're giving gifts? How many people will celebrate the birth of the Savior and not know what it means that there's a Savior? Because there's a true story behind all of this. There's a true event that took place in a real place, historical place. It's a real thing. And today we want to look at this real Christmas story and we want to look at those that were part of it and learn from them and grow from them and see uh, what there is to learn about our own lives. When I was a youth pastor in Stewart, Florida, we had a living Christmas tree. And a living Christmas tree is this giant tree uh, that you get inside of. And this is a picture of another church's living Christmas tree. And you get inside of it and you sing and the lights are coordinated with the tree. Well, one of the years that we did this, um, the music leader at the time had the idea that I should dress up like a monk, <laughs> the monk that created the Silent Night song, I should dress up as him and come and with a guitar play Silent Night. And this was a big event at this church. We'd fill the church for like four showings. So there's a lot of people that would come to watch this show. And I would... I, I, I remember Nick Bennett was his name. He was the gentleman in charge, amazing guy. I love him so much. But he said, Mike, I want you to dress as a monk, and I want you to play Silent Night on the guitar. And I said, Nick, I don't play the guitar. How's this going to work? He says, doesn't matter. They'll play a track, and you'll pretend to play the guitar. And so I got up on stage in front of lots of people with a spotlight directly on me, dressed as a monk, with a guitar pretending to play Silent Night. And then after the show, people would come up and say, I didn't know you knew how to play the guitar. <laughs> and I'd say, I don't know how to play the guitar, because it's all fake. <laughs> but you know, for a lot of people, Christianity, Jesus, a birth, a virgin birth, a star leading uh, the Magi to him, that's all make-believe, that's all made up, that's just a story, it's a fake thing to make people feel good about themselves. No, it's not, it's a real story. 
It's authentic and true. It's real. It's powerful. It's really the only hope we have as we light the candle of hope today. If it didn't happen, then we're hopeless. Because it happened, we are so full of hope, it is overflowing through our lives and out of our lives. And so this morning, as we look at this, uh, what is the real Christmas story? What is the real story? Not the story of what we're told on the movies that we see during Christmas or, or the things people say, the spirit of Christmas, or it's all about family. Those are wonderful things, but that's not what the story is about. The story is much more powerful than that. And so we want to begin that story today as we begin to prepare to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the hope of, of all humankind that come to repentance and belief in him. So let's pray, precede his word with prayer. Father God, you are worthy of all that we are. And Lord, we know you are holy and you are just. And, and Lord, you care about us right now. You, you know the inward and outward events of our lives and our hearts. You know the stuff that stresses us out right now. You know the stuff that makes us anxious. And uh, Lord, the things that get on our nerves. Uh, Lord, you know all those things. And you love us and you want to guide us. And so, Lord, I ask that your will would be done, that you would direct us as we read your words, that they would inspire us, challenge us, and grow us, that we would know what it is to be your child, to be your follower. And, Lord, I pray that you would protect us. Uh, there's so many things that can pull us away. Lord, the enemy wants to distract us. Lord, help us to be focused and in tune with our spirits on you now. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we look forward to your second return, Lord, when you return as king. And Lord, we praise your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we begin in Matthew chapter 1 as we look at the birth of Christ. And it gives a genealogy, uh, basically an order of who was born to who leading up to, to Jesus' birth. And, and we're told that there were 14 generations of these leaders, these fathers that led to the birth of Jesus. And it's a really interesting thing to note that the only reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because his earthly father was from Bethlehem. And the Messiah, the, the, the prophecy said the, the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. The reason the Pharisees don't believe Jesus is the one who's to come is because they think he's from Nazareth. The only reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because of Joseph. That's a powerful truth to recognize. And God chose Joseph through a lineage of fathers, and we see the power of the father. As we see genealogies, we have uh, Abraham uh, to David is 14 generations. And we understand that God is the heavenly father of us all because we're made in his image. He breathed life into the dust to make the first man, Adam. And from Adam, we have the first human father. And from Noah, the father of the survivors of the flood. And from Abraham, the fathers of the chosen people. And from Moses, the father of the exile. And then David, who his father Solomon was an unjust father. David, the father of the kings. To Joseph, the earthly father of God. And so you think of these names we've heard before. We've heard the Abraham. We've heard the Joseph. We've heard the Moses. We've heard all of these, these powerful names that mean something and, and they're important. God looked at the earth and he said, this is the one I choose to do this mission. This is the man I'm picking to do this. And my question this morning, as we look at our lives, would God look at this world and choose you for a mission of this importance? Would God choose me for a mission 
of this importance? Why did he choose Joseph? What was it about Joseph that he said, yes, he will be my earthly father? You know, none of us picked our fathers. We, never, we didn't pick our mothers. We were given them. God chose his earthly father. He had all, however many billion to pick from. And he picked Joseph. So what do we have to learn? What does the Bible teach us about that? Matthew 1, verse 18 through 19. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Every single one of us is going to have a moment in our life where our world gets turned upside down. If it hasn't happened already, it will happen. There's a moment, the day we do not know when it is, is going to come in your life when everything gets turned upside down and things that you did not expect to happen are happening. And they are challenging and they are difficult and they become overwhelming. And as we read this true story, I can only imagine the situation that Joseph is going through. We need to understand the context that Joseph lived in a time when the most valuable thing there was was the family. And the most valuable thing about a family was to have a father, a mother, and children that came under marriage, under the commitment and covenant of marriage. To break that, to have a child outside of the covenant of marriage was one of the most disgraceful, despicable things that you could do in this time in this place. Literally, from the time this happens, Mary's the one who got pregnant before she was married. Joseph's the guy who married the girl that was pregnant before they got married. And that stigma and that name would be upon them because they didn't move around much in those days. That's who you are. That's what you're known for. That is your entire identity within your culture. No longer are you on the same level with everyone else. Maybe you're discriminated against. Maybe you are talked bad about. Maybe it's okay now around the water cooler to badmouth you because of your circumstances. This is where Joseph finds himself. He finds himself... His uh, betrothed, the woman he's going to marry, is pregnant. The worst possible news he could get, he receives. How does he react? Now, under the law, obviously, Joseph respected the law. He respected God. He was a holy man. We're seeing from this, he says he respected the law. So he, he, had a, he had a high level of understanding or a high level of respect for God. He said, under the law, I could have her be put to death. But what is his response? I don't want to disgrace her. And so he takes the holiness of God and he takes the graciousness of God and he pulls them together and he says, you know what? I will respect the law, but I will do it in a gracious way and therefore I will secretly or quietly divorce her, separate from her. He was a man of character. He was a man of integrity. Nobody knew this was going on. Nobody knew that he was making this decision. This is probably the hardest decision of his life, and yet he makes the right decision at the hardest moment in life. 
When I consider the reason that God looked upon this earth and he looked at Joseph, he saw a man that in the midst of, the midst of adversity had character and didn't give up, didn't lash out, didn't say, woe is me, how could this happen to me, why did this happen to me, why couldn't this happen to someone else, this is so unfair, this is so unjust, this is not right, why is this happening to me? Instead, he says, I have this situation, I have no control, here's what I'm going to do. I don't want to disgrace her. I want to show grace to her. And he didn't give up. And he didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't put her in a, in a position where everyone could mock her and ridicule her. He loved her. And so there we see this is the challenge for all of us. Um, he didn't choose Joseph because Joseph had the nicest clothing. He didn't choose Joseph because nicest, he had the nicest house. He didn't choose Joseph because he, he rode the, the nicest chariot around town or he had the most influence or he could talk the most eloquently. He didn't choose Joseph for all the things we would choose someone for, right? He didn't choose Joseph for all the outside stuff. He didn't choose Joseph for the things that we look at at people and really judge them on. He looked at Joseph's heart, and did he have holiness, and did he have grace, and would he have a, a level of, I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to quit, no matter how hard the situation is. When the day showed up that he had a challenge, he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He committed himself even deeper to the Lord. So God gives us the answer. Look what happens, Matthew 1.20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph was given that day when everything turned upside down. We don't know how much time there is between when he finds out Mary's pre uh, pregnant to when, the, when he has this dream. Probably not a lot of time, but there was some stress. That was a tough time that he had to keep persevering. He had to keep moving forward. He had to keep trusting that God was with him. God is for him. God's going to guide him through this. And God shows up. And God shows up in the most powerful of ways by sending an angel to him in his dream. And in his dream, not only does he say an angel, the angel could have said, hey, don't worry about it, God's got it covered. No, the angel reveals to Joseph God's plan. His plan. That through him, the Savior would be born. Emmanuel, God with us. Anyone who says the Bible doesn't say Jesus is God missed Emmanuel. How can God be with us if God isn't with us, right? From the very beginning, God's plan is revealed. I'm going to leave heaven. I'm going to humble myself and become a person. And Joseph, you're going to be my earthly father, and you're to name me Jesus. Because of his obedience, because of his willingness to trust God, he was given the responsibility of one of the greatest missions or tasks within the Bible, to be the earthly father of Jesus. Can you imagine the responsibility of being the earthly father of God? 
And yet the only qualities we know about Joseph that made him qualified was the fact that he was willing to deal with adversity with both holiness and grace. What made him eligible to be used on one of the greatest missions that God had was his willingness to hold on to God's holiness and to allow his grace to give him faith and hope. Today, that's a lesson for me. Joseph was chosen because of his obedience. What do I do? What do we do when adversity hits us? What do we do when our life is turned upside down? What do we do when the challenge is right in front of us? Do we continue to follow the holiness and the grace of God, or do we resist? This is the challenge all of us have. You see, I grew up in a, in a mindset that if I could become a pastor, if I, could, if I could do all these things, then God would be happy with me, right? If I learned the Bible really well, and if I learned how to speak, and if I learned how to do these things, then God would be happy with me, and I would, I would earn God's favor because of all the things I've done for him. And you know what I've learned over my time as being a pastor, my time in ministry? That is exactly wrong. I'm not doing it for him. He doesn't need me to do it for him. He needs me to be obedient to him. And maybe today you have gone through so much in your life, so many things have happened that have been frustrating and challenging, and you've wondered the why, and, and there's just been this overwhelming sense that you had to fix it, you had to make it right, and, and it was not about just listening and being obedient. Because all Joseph did is said, I'm going to be obedient. I'll name him Jesus. I won't divorce her. I'll keep her close to me. That's what you've asked me to do. That's the mission you've given me. I will live in obedience to that. As God looks at us now, are we like Joseph? As God looks at my heart, he looks at my motives. He looks at your heart. He looks at your motives. What does he see? Am I willing to say whatever, whenever, whoever? God, I am your vessel. I am to be used by you at whatever your will will be. And in the hardest of moments, I will not give up. And I will live faithfully in obedience to your law and to your grace, knowing that you are guiding me. You know, I think about the days in my life that were those days. And here's what I kept telling myself. God, you are with me. You are for me. You're guiding me. God, you are with me. You are for me. You're guiding me. And I will not give up. I don't think this true story was an easy story for Joseph. I don't think he lived a life of luxury. I don't think he had all the things there were to have in his time. Joseph had a hard life, but a worthy life. Why? Because God looked at the earth and he saw a man who would be faithful, who would be obedient, and would follow wherever he asked him to go. This isn't the end of the story for Joseph because we know uh, there's no place. Think of this. He shows up in Bethlehem. There's no place for him and his wife who's pregnant about to have a kid. Do you know the stress of a father? You have to provide. You have to protect. You're the one who's supposed to make sure all this stuff is taken care of and you get there and there's no place for you to go for your pregnant wife to have a baby? That's ten that is not fun. That is not exciting. And yet he perseveres and he finds a way and God opens a door and, and here's a stable. Okay, God, what's next? 
oh, uh, the king is trying to kill all the babies that my baby's age is. Uh, we got to do something. An angel shows up and says, go to Egypt. It is not an easy trip from Bethlehem to Egypt. You're back on the path with your wife and your little toddler on your way to Egypt. Now, not only do you have to take care of your wife, but you have to take care of God-made flesh. You are responsible for the Savior of the world. God chose you to be his earthly father. Now you got to father him. You're in Egypt, and the angel says, it's time to go back to the promised land. Where do you go? To Nazareth. Nazareth was the most, um, to use a southern term, podunk town. Nobody that was cool or had any influence was from Nazareth. And yet, he returns to Nazareth to be a nobody to raise God-made flesh. Do you see any of this story that seems easy, comfortable, or a piece of cake? None of it. And yet, that's the reason God chose Joseph. Because he said he's not going to quit. He's not going to give up. He's not going to be disobedient. He's not going to go his own way because he doesn't get his own way. He's going to be faithful to the very end. And so what does that teach us? What do we learn? Here's the thing I learned. God is more interested in our obedience than our ability. God is more interested in your obedience than your ability. The world says you are worthy because of your ability. God says you're, you are mine, so be obedient. We should not live by the ways of this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds that leads us to the truth that only living by faith and trust in God, being living sacrifices, I sacrifice my will, I sacrifice my wants, I sacrifice my desires. Why? So that I can live obediently to my Father. And here's the most beautiful part. The safest place in this world is obedience to God. The safest place you can be is when you're living in God's will. The world says, come over here, try this. Your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, you yourself are tempted on a regular basis to go somewhere because somehow it's better than where God is sending you. And it's never better. It's never better. It's always worse. And so living in obedience is a gift. Living in obedience is a pleasure. Living in obedience is the greatest thing you can do. Now will we do it? How do we apply this? How do we live this out? How do we take this from this room? Yeah, it was wonderful to talk about and hear about. Now what do I do with it? Titus 2, 11 through 13. Butch read this uh, this morning as we began the service. For the grace of God has appeared, Christ, bringing salvation to all men. We have a hope. We have a place to look at. We have a firm foundation. You realize the world does not have a firm foundation? That's why COVID has rocked this world. There is no foundation. There is no hope. The, the hope of the world now is, is that the world's going to be destroyed by our polluting it. There is no hope. The world has no hope to offer. There is a unmistakable, unbreakable hope in Jesus Christ. 
that your past is taken care of, your present is in control of him, and your future is already determined. So recognize that when you wake up. Recognize that when your world is turned upside down. Recognize that when things don't seem to be right, that the salvation has already come, and your salvation has been set for eternity. Next, instruct us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. It's instructing me, it's teaching me to deny ungodliness, to deny these worldly desires that are temporary and shallow and are actually poisonous to me and to you. Look at the next verse. Live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. When you evaluate your life and you think about, what do I do on a day-to-day basis? What are my motives? What is leading me? What is guiding me? How do I make decisions? Am I, denying, am I denying ungodliness? Am I denying the world's desires? Am I living sensibly? Am I living righteously? Can, can, I be, can it be said of me that I am godly? See that music? That's to motivate us <laughs> to be godly. And then finally, here's what it says. Looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you realize, this is so amazing to me, when Jesus showed up the first time, nobody was ready for it. Nobody was looking for it. Nobody was excited for it. They weren't having a parade in New York City about it. Nobody knew that this was happening, that the birth of a Savior had happened. But Jesus has declared through his word to us that there will be a day he comes back. Imagine if he didn't tell us that, how different things would be if we didn't know he was coming back. Every day is a day of preparation. Every single day is a day to get ready. Right now, some of you put your trees up. Some of you began shopping. Maybe you've already got all your Christmas gifts. Some of you have already planned out the meal for Christmas. Some of you have planned out what you're going to do Christmas Eve. Some of you have done none of these things, and you feel guilty right now. But it's preparation. We prepare for earthly things. We prepare ourselves for earthly events. God's saying, every day should be a day you're getting ready for my return. What bigger event should we be preparing for? How are you preparing for his return? The best way to prepare for his return is to live in obedience to his Holy Spirit. Can we commit to that today? Are you twice born? Because none of this matters if you're not twice born. If you have not been born of the Spirit, this is just talk. It doesn't become part of who you are until you say yes to the Holy Spirit of God. That you repent of your sin, you believe that Christ rose from the dead, and then you accept the fact that from this day forward you are his You've been bought with a price, and you will live for him until you meet him. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal hell and saved from the curse of sin to have eternal life. So what is God telling you right now? What is God saying? What is he motivating within your heart? Tomorrow you'll get up. 
and you'll live out your life. Will God be able to look at our lives and see, say, I see someone similar to Joseph. I see someone who's committed to me no matter what. I see someone that's willing to go through whatever I call them to, to be faithful and not quit, to be obedient even when it's hard to be obedient. That's the question. That's, the, that's us living out our faith this week. What is he saying to you right now?